we can decide later if we're going to, uh, going to, going to be upside with this. That okay. That's that. Hold on, sorry, that's out there. Okay, thank you. Yes, uh, good to be here. Uh, as David has said, uh, I'm in dwelling place in, in Balamina, a small church that um, we planted about five years ago. Um, hard work. Uh, you, you'll all know about that. Hard work. Um, but it's something that, that God has birthed uh, in our hearts to do. Um, if God doesn't birth it, you don't want to do it. If God births something in your heart, you see it through to the finish. Uh, and you, you persevere and you finish with what God has put in your heart. Um, I'm going to share a wee bit this morning. Uh, I trust it's something that God has put in my heart uh, for all of us. Uh, this is, uh, when, I, when I preach, uh, I preach to myself. Um, uh, this is for us in dwelling place. Uh, I trust it's for you here uh, as well, uh, here at, at table. I want you to turn to um, Acts chapter uh, 19, please. And there are just a few different places in Scripture I just want to uh, go to today. Um, just really looking at the, the importance uh, of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives. The absolute necessity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I'm, I'm just reading uh, your values here in the wall. The wall and, and one of them is Word and Spirit. Obviously the, the Word of God, vital. We cannot, we cannot veer away from the Word of God. The Word of God is vital but the work of the Spirit of God in our lives, individually and collectively as a church, is, is vital, as a necessity. And this is something we see here in Acts chapter 19, as Paul uh, comes to a city called Ephesus uh, and meets a small band uh, of disciples, 12 in all, and Paul gets right to the point, as we'll see here. Read a few uh, verses to start with. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at uh, Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Paul, verse 8, goes on to say, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. You see here in this, these few verses here, the absolute importance of the word 
what you have here in your values, the word of God. It says here, Paul initially went for three months to the synagogue. They, they didn't want to accept what he was saying, so he, he turned away and went to the hall of Tyrannus. And there for two years daily, two years daily, they were saturated in the word of God. Two years daily, they taught the word of God. He taught the word of God for two years. And it says by the end of that, says those, uh, all the Greeks and Jews who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. That's, that's modern day Turkey. Now in two years, that was the impact that Paul and that band, that early church had, that those small group of disciples had in that area. Within two years, uh, the, the modern day Turkey, they had heard the word of God. But there's an important ingredient in here. And Paul gets right to the point. He says in the first few verses, verse 2, it says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? You see here there was 12, there were 12 men, there was 12 disciples. They were maybe hidden away. They, they maybe didn't have a presence in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus as a city just went on day in, day out, trading, doing the things that they normally did. But this band of men, these 12 disciples, didn't seem to have an impact on their town in their city and in their area. And Paul doesn't maybe do small talk here. Now, this is obviously the recordings of Luke, uh, just a, a summary of the story that happened. But here it doesn't really seem that there's any niceties. There's, there's no small talk. It seems Paul just gets to the, the point, gets to the important question. And you know, if we meet someone, if, we, if someone new comes uh, to, your, to your church and you haven't met them before, you trust that there's a few uh, niceties and small talk and chat before you get down to the important questions. But Paul here, whether this is just Luke, who's picking out the important points, doesn't seem to be much in the way of niceties and an and introduction. He just gets down to the, the important question. And the important question for Paul is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So important, folks, that, that the Spirit of God is moving in our lives, is, is working in our lives, and is changing those around us. As I said earlier, I, I'm part of a small church in Balamina and Dwelling Place. And this is something as well. I'm not just pre preaching this message to you. I'm preaching this to me, and I'm preaching this to Dwelling Place. I'm preaching this to the church at large. And the question is, and, and the question has to be asked, and the question has to be uh, uh, put forward, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Because it's the Spirit of God plus the Word of God that makes a difference and that will change your town, that will change your city and will change our land. It's the Word and the Spirit together. We need to be saturated in the Word of God. We need to be saturated in the Spirit of God. And there's no other, other way around it. You know what? There's, there's many churches who have been built up over the years and decades. And they come up quickly and they, they sometimes disappear quickly. What's the foundation? There's different foundations that we need to be laying in our lives and in our churches. And the important, the important ones, the vital ones, is the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Jesus at the very, very center. Jesus, Lord, is your value. Say absolutely. But in that foundation, it's the Word and the Spirit. And I'll tell you, if we, we try to build foundations in anything else and we try to do a, a work in any other way, it's not going to happen. Gimmicks are, are not going to work. Nice buildings are not going to work. The, the very latest technology is not going to work. What's going to change people's hearts? What's going to change a town? What's going to change a city? Is the Spirit of God moving powerfully and mightily. And it's the Word of God being taught and preached. You see, whenever you read down here, this group of, of 
12 men hiding away. It was maybe like a, a flickering candle that was there in that city. But boy, did it come ablaze. When the Spirit of God moved, whenever it says in verse 6 that Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came, up, came upon them. He spoke in tongues and they prophesied. They were, they were filled with the Spirit of God. Read on down to, to verse 11 that Paul did extraordinary miracles, uh, or God did extraordinary miracles rather, through Paul. I mean, listen, this, this, sometimes we, we read over this and we don't quite grasp, grasp it. Imagine even handkerchiefs, aprons that, that had touched Paul were taken to the sick. Their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. Folks, does the church need the power of God today? Do, do we need not only to preach the word of God, but demonstrate the power of God? Is that not what the world needs to see? Evidence that, that there is a God in heaven? That there is a God in heaven and what the Bible says is true. There's, the gospel needs to be preached, absolutely, but it needs to be demonstrated. And that can be demonstrated through the power and the might of the Spirit of God. Things change in Ephesus. As we read in, in, in the verses there, that within two years, that, that whole region, the Asia, the province of Asia, heard the word of the Lord. But things changed in Ephesus, in that city. You see, now there was a, a confrontation. Now there's a confrontation. This is, this is no, the, the, the confrontation that we have, the, the kingdom of heaven advancing uh, into this land. It's, it's, not, it's not something that, that's just nice and, and pretty. There, there is, there's a conflict here, folks. The powers of darkness don't like it. There, there is a conflict, and we see that further down, that there was, there was a battle that ensued. When, when the Spirit of God was moving in great power, when the Word of God was being preached, there was a, a conflict, and there was a, a clash of kingdoms, between the kingdom of light and the, and the kingdom of darkness. We read on down that, that uh, uh, in verse 23 in, in chapter 19 of, of Acts, that there was a riot ensued. This, this city that had just been living and going about its trade and, and, and just going about its day-to-day uh, activities, suddenly when the Spirit of God moves in great power and they're challenged by the Word of God, there's a riot there's a riot because the enemy is, is unhappy with what's going on. You can read the, the story for yourself, but there's a silversmith named Demetrius who made shrines for, uh, who made silver shrines of Artemis or, or Diana, uh, brought in no little business for the craftsmen. They were worried about their pockets. They were making a, a killing. They were making a, a lot of money by, by making these, these shrines. And so there's a conflict and they, they start a riot. You see, those 12 men filled with the Spirit of God, speaking forth the Word of God, they changed a city. There was, there was a, a confrontation. They weren't going to go away quietly. They weren't, weren't going to be accepted quietly. There was going to be confrontation. You see, there were, if we read on down in, in verse 17, it says there was, there was evidence of, of repentance. It says whenever there was a demonstration of, of the power of, of God and, and where, the, where it says where evil spirits were, were coming out of, of, of different people, it says that this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus. They were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery uh, brought their scrolls together, burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. There were riots. There were bonfires. 
maybe I was reading about this area, maybe revival's broken out already, riots and bonfires around this time of the year. It never happens in Balamina. But that's what happened. That's what happened in the city. There were riots and there were bonfires. They, they came and they threw all their, their, those who practiced sorcery, threw their scrolls onto the bonfire. There was an evidence that God was moving and it was moving in power. Paul knew. That's why he came and he was so blunt about that question when he said, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? He knew how vital the moving and working of the Holy Spirit was in their lives. Paul knew this by experience as well. If you turn back to, to Acts chapter 9, at Paul's conversion, the impact and the work of the Holy Spirit was so important in his life as well. You know the story of, the, of Paul's, uh, I suppose, the confrontation of the Lord as he, as he captures Paul and that, that, or Saul as he was in the road to Damascus. And Saul is, is thrown, off his, uh, thrown to the ground, thrown off his horse to the ground, uh, blind. And it says in verse 9 of, of Acts chapter 9, for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. And that was Paul's conversion. But if we read on down, we realize the importance of, of the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. There was a man called Ananias that the Lord called in a vision. He says, he says Ananias, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has uh, come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who come, who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he, ha he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house centered it, placed his hands on Saul, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Saul, or Paul as he would become known, knew the importance of the Spirit of God filling his life. Since here Ananias laid hands on him, he could see again, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. It says Saul was strengthened. And in verse 22 it says, Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. See, Paul, or Saul as he was, grew more and more powerful. Why? Because he was filled with the Spirit of God. The Lord knew that he needed the filling of the Spirit of God to complete the task that was before him. He couldn't do it in his own strength. He couldn't do it in his knowledge. He was a learned man. He knew the scriptures inside out. He knew it all. But he needed the unfilling of the Spirit of God. And so Paul comes to these 12 men and he asks them the question, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Why? Was it just a, a, an opening conversation? No, he was getting right down to the important things. You know, if you're going to make an impact, if you're going to be victorious in your Christian life, you need to be filled by the Spirit of God. Because... I know it in my life. That's what Saul or Paul would say. I know it in my life. I know what I have had to go on, I went through. I know what I have faced. I know to be victorious. I needed the power and the unfilling of the Spirit of God in my life. 
It was a necessity. It wasn't an option to live a victorious Christian life. It wasn't an option to be effective in this world. It was a necessity. It was a must. Jesus knew that necessity as well. And he promised that the Holy Spirit, when he would, when he would leave, when he would return to glory, that the Holy Spirit would come. He knew that the church needed the Spirit of God to be effective and be, to be victorious. If you read in Acts chapter 1, scriptures you're, you'll all be familiar with. Jesus knew the importance of those disciples being filled with the Spirit of God. In verse 4 of Acts chapter 1, it says, On one occasion while he was eating with them, that was Jesus, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after this he was taken up. Some of Jesus' last words, important. Some of Paul's first words to this group of men was, have you received the Holy Spirit? Some of Jesus' parting words were, you know what you need? You need the power of God. If you want to make an impact in this world, you need the power of God. You cannot do it in your own strength. He says, wait, don't leave Jerusalem. You know, folks, we're, we're foolish if we, if we think we can take on this world and, 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 and win this world for, for the Lord if we're not filled with the Spirit of God. We cannot do it in our own power. We cannot do it with programs. We cannot do it with good ideas. It must be in the power and the anointing of the Spirit of God with the Word, of course. And that's what Jesus said very, very clearly in some of his final words to his disciples. He says, wait, wait in Jerusalem. Wait until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it says, the power will come upon you and then you will be my witnesses in that order. Then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. And you know the story on the day of Pentecost, you have not 12 men, not 12 disciples in a room locked away as it were. You've got 120 this time, a small number, fearful, locked away, scared. Peter thinking he's blown it, thinking I've, I've done it. I've done it, I can't, I've let the Lord down and I can't do it again. And what do we see? That the, the power of God, the Spirit of God comes upon them in great power and in great might. And we see them spilling out onto the streets of Jerusalem and they proclaim the message. And, and Peter proclaims the message of God, brings the word of God with great anointing and great power. That man who had let the Lord down, that man who was fearful, that man who was about to go back to his old life again, and what does he do? He stands up and, and preaches the word of God with great power and, and great might. And what happens? 3,000 are at it that day. What was the secret? It's the spirit of God and it's the power of God. And Jesus knew the absolute necessity of the power of God and the disciples' life. To be victorious, to, to, to overcome, we need the power of God. Of course, we need to be baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit. But in Galatians 5, Paul instructs us to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, or the NIV says, live, live by the Spirit. Sometimes this is something which maybe 
we don't quite get as believers. And, and maybe this is partly a fault of, of our teaching or, or how we've maybe taught the, the, our relationship with the Holy Spirit over the years. You've heard it said you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and we do. We need to be baptised in the Holy Spirit and we do. We've just looked at that. But we need to walk in the Spirit and here is such an important thing. It's an important thing I need to grasp in my own life. It's an important thing we all need to grasp. In the Amplified Version when it says to, to walk in the Spirit in Galatians 5 verse 16, the Amplified Version says walk habitually in the Spirit. Seek Him and be responsive uh, to his guidance. Walk habitually. This is, a, a, this is a daily walk with the Holy Spirit. A daily walk. 2 Corinthians 13, where Paul says, talks of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It's, uh, there's, there's an intimacy. There's, there's a connection. There's, there's a relationship with the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16, Jesus talks about the helper when he's talking about the Holy Spirit coming, the paraclete. The one who would come alongside, yes, it can be a legal advocate, but also one who would come alongside. There's a nearness, a sense of, of nearness, fellowship, walking, relationship. I think this is something that, that sometimes, I know myself, or, and I wonder if you as well, as believers, we find it hard to get our, maybe our mind around. To have a, a daily walk with Jesus, I can get that. We can get that. Jesus, he came, he walked on this earth. We, we, can, we can get that, we can understand that. Even our relationship with the Father, that, that relationship with the Father, we can get that. Maybe some, for us, some of us it's a bit more difficult to have a relationship with Father God when we look at our own uh, earthly relationships with our fathers. But, but most people can get a relationship with, with Jesus, a relationship with, with the Father, a daily relationship, a walk with him. But what about a walk with the Holy Spirit? What, what about walking in the Spirit? What's, what's your relationship like with the Holy Spirit? Do you know him? Do you hear him speak to you? He's a person. And this is where I think over the years, my mind has been a bit muddled when we hear about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the unfilling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit becomes like a, a, a force. It's this force that we get and that's it. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit, on we go. There, there is a, a daily walk and relationship with the Holy Spirit. Which I, 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 folks, I really believe that the church needs to grasp. I need to grasp it. It's a daily walk and relationship and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. To speak to him. To ask him to guide you. To listen to him. To know his voice. To understand his voice. You see, I, I was reading, and it's maybe better explained by, by David Wilkerson. Um, I'm sure it's a name everybody knows. David Wilkerson. Um, New York Times Square Church and he's written many books and, and one of them I was reading there in recent days was Hungry for More of Jesus <clears throat> and in the chapter David talks about walking one of the chapters he talks about walking in the spirit and I'll just read a, a couple of paragraphs uh, from uh, two pages here it says, he says first uh, when he talks about the, the Holy Ghost in our lives, the Holy Spirit, he says, first we will settle for only a small portion of his work in us, such as a few of the spiritual gifts, mistakenly thinking that this is the total aim and mission uh, and, and missing the grand work of his eternal purpose in our lives. Now, David goes on to say that the eternal purpose of the Holy Spirit in us is to bring us home to Jesus Christ as his eternal spotless bride. So there's a mission that the Holy Spirit has. So he goes on to say, or secondly, we will quench the spirit within us 
and ignore him completely, believing he is mysterious and therefore his presence is something we must take by faith and never understand. Reading on further down, he goes on. And how many uh, uh, Christians experience the second mistake? The Holy Spirit is quenched inside them, seldom acknowledged, seldom consulted, and unable to do in them what, what God sent them to do. We acknowledge the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, and we believe he abides in us, and we know his presence. But we do not acknowledge the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit within us. Do you wonder what this means? Is it simply this? Do you, do you talk to the Holy Spirit as you do Jesus? Do you acknowledge him daily? I admit this has been a problem for me, but I had an experience recently in which the Holy Spirit spoke to me in my prayer closet. He said, David, acknowledge me. Don't keep me in a dark corner of your mind and heart. Acknowledge that I am manifesting myself to you right now. A time must come when you become, David goes on to say, a time must come when you become serious about why the Holy Spirit has been given to you. You must be able to say, Holy Spirit, the Bible says you were sent to me as a gift from my Heavenly Father. The Word says you live in me. Tell me, why have you come? What is your eternal purpose? And what are you trying to accomplish in me? Folks, I believe it's so, so vital and so, so important. Yes, that we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yes, that we're filled in the Holy Spirit. But we have a a walk. We walk in the Spirit. That we're led by the Spirit. That we're in step with the Spirit. We need a relationship with the Holy Spirit, a daily relationship with the Holy Spirit, a daily walk with the Spirit of God. It's vitally important that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives day by day. To reach this land, to reach this town, to reach our our cities, we need the power and demonstration of the Spirit of God in our lives. But in our day-to-day walk, for individual lives, Individually, collectively, to be victorious, to overcome, we need that walk with the Spirit of God, that daily walk, that relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to ask you some questions. Do you need guidance and direction in your life? Galatians 5 says, walk in, live by, be led by, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to take us somewhere. I want to ask you, are you weak and do you need strength within Ephesians 3.16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being. You see that the spirit of God and the manifest power of the spirit of God, it's not just for miraculous acts. We need the spirit of God in our lives. It says, Paul says here, to strengthen us in our inner being. Do you feel weak? Do you need, do you need strength? Do you feel weak in your Christian walk? Do you feel life as a struggle? Well, it's necessary that you have know the Spirit of God within your life and you walk in step with the Spirit of God daily. Are you hungry for more of God? Ephesians 1.17 says, I keep asking, this is Paul again, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. The Spirit of God is, is, uh, is a spirit of wisdom and revelation and it reveals who God is. If you want to know God better, do you want to know Jesus better? Uh, Jesus said that the Spirit would speak of him, testify of him. Do you want to know him better? It says the spirit of wisdom and revelation can be given to us so that we know him better. First uh, Corinthians 2.10 says the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. 
Do you want to know him better? If you do, you need the spirit of God in your life and you need to be in relationship and communion with him. Do you struggle in your prayer life? Romans 8, 26 says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. We need him to pray. We need the Spirit of God as well in our lives to be victorious. Are you struggling with sin in your life? 1 Peter 1, verse 2 says, By the sanctifying work of the Spirit, the Spirit comes to sanctify of course, the word sanctifies as well, John 17, 17. But the Spirit of God comes to sanctify us, to change our hearts, to change our lives. What about Galatians 5, 16, the verse that I read, NIV version says, So I say, this is Paul again, live by or walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Are you struggling with sin? You need the Holy Spirit in your life. What does the King James Version say? How does it uh, uh, speak in that same verse it says then I say walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh if you're struggling with sin you need the spirit of God in your life have you lost your joy have you lost your peace then you need the spirit of God the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and so on am I making my point we need the spirit of God to be an effective people to be an effective church, to be an effective witness, to show the power of God in this town and in this land. We need the Spirit of God. We need a demonstration of the power of God. To live a victorious life day by day in our own lives, we need the Spirit of God. We need to be walking in relationship with Him. We need to be living holy lives. Just on an aside there, folks, we need to be living holy lives. He's a, he's a Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. We can't choose to, to live any old way and expect the Spirit of God to be in close relationship with us. We need to be living holy lives before him. But he gives us the strength and he gives us the help to live that sanctified life and live that victorious life. Paul knew the importance and necessity to be filled, baptised and walk in the Spirit of God. How can we live without him? Galatians is a, is a, a book I've quoted from a few times there this morning. And the book around Galatians, it's another short introduction that Paul brings to the, the church at Galatia. As I said earlier on in, the, in, in Acts 19, there was a short introduction when Paul sees these 12, 12 men. Gets right to the point. When it comes to the, the Galatians, the letter to the Galatians, there's very, no niceties, no real uh, hello and, and, and breaking the ice. It was straight in there. Because Paul was very, very angry. Things had changed in that church. Instead of them falling after the things of the Spirit, they decided they would go back to old Judaism and old laws and they would keep, keep uh, certain days and keep certain feasts and, they were, and circumcision was going to come back into play again and, and they were going down the, the route of, of Judaism. And Paul is absolutely furious, absolutely furious. And when you read the, the letter for yourself, you'll just see, hear that coming through. He is He's calling them foolish Galatians and who bewitched you their strong, strong language. Unlike the time when, when he came to uh, Acts 19 to Ephesus and spoke to those 12 men, there's no niceties, there's no introduction. He just gets straight to the point. But in Galatians 3, 3, again he says, Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? 
how did you start? How did you start, church? He said to them at Galatia, how did you start? You started because it was all birthed by the Spirit of God. And, and, you're, and you know what you're doing? You're, you, you, you've now turned away from that. You're now going after uh, other ways, other means. No, he says, how, how are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort after beginning with the Spirit? Folks, I'm preaching to myself here. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself here. And I ask, do I try to attain goals that I believe God has put in my life and in my heart by human effort? Is that something that I, I try to do? Or am I dependent on the Spirit of God to birth something? The Spirit that has birthed something will finish it. He that started something will, will complete it. Am I dependent on my own strength? Or am I dependent on the Spirit of God? Galatians 6, 9 says, The one who sows to please his sinful nature from, the nat- from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, there's a timing in God, folks. Don't lose heart. Don't lose patience. Trust in God. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Walk in the Spirit because at the right time and at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. God bless you.